0: Welcome to the Utah Epocopalians. It's a podcast of the Diocese of Utah, designed to reflect on how the Episcopal Church in our unique land of Utah operates and exists, and is generally just part of the community. Today, we have a very fascinating uh, subject with the very Reverend Tyler Doherty, the Dean of St. Mark's Cathedral, and I'm Craig Worth of the Diocese. Our topic today, hunger, homelessness, but I think even more importantly, what role, what obligation does the church have in this area of hunger in homelessness? What is that fine line between compassionate care and even sometimes safety of our volunteers, safety of our people who go to the congregation? And um, Father Doherty, you're a dean of a cathedral in right the heart of the urban area of Salt Lake City. You see homelessness, you see hunger, you have a food bank, and I know it's getting worse, the hunger situation as we look at it. Um, how many people stop by your food bank uh, on a daily or a monthly basis now?
1: Um, so it's around mm, 2,800 to 3,000 a month. Uh, I think last year we served uh, close to 30,000 um, individuals at the food bank, you know, with the generous support of the uh, Utah Food Bank and the um, Bishop's sta- Storehouse,
0: but um, it's sadly a number that keeps on going up. We think of those cold days in winter when drive by and see lines of people, but it's more than that. In the summer, we, we think, okay, everything is fine. It's warm weather. It's nice. But the problem is even worse, isn't it, in the summer? Well, and it can be more
1: dangerous because if you're
0: uh, without shade,
1: without water, um, uh, your summer can actually be a, uh, even more perilous time for someone who uh, is, you know, going hungry and doesn't have a place to sleep. So it's uh, it's it's, it's not,
0: not something that
1: really abates during the summer.
0: We notice an increasing number of people who aren't just in line for food or maybe just sitting around in the day. Uh, But there are people who are sleeping. We know from figures and facts of Salt Lake City, there are approximately 2,900 people who will sleep outside tonight, have no place to go. This doesn't include people in shelters. About another 9,000 are in shelters of some sort, temporary housing rescue missions, etc., But there's 2,000, almost 2,800 who are on our sidewalks and on our lawns. And I know as you come to work in the morning, you see them. Uh, is that getting worse too? I, I don't believe I used to see that number of folks sleeping outside um, in our city.
1: Well, I mean, I, I was speaking with somebody uh, earlier today about and you've probably noticed that I, I think there's been a definite uptick even just in the downtown area of, of the number of people who are, um, you know, sleeping outside uh, just on our corner, you know, right outside th- this building and the cathedral. Um, there's sort of mini camps uh, <laughs> popping up. And um, so I, I think there is an uptick. And I think part of it's related to the, the closing of the, the road home and and um, and also the the. the lack of, uh, access to, to shelters. Um, the, you know, they've sort of farmed the shelters out to different parts of the city. And I think a lot of the downtown populations, it doesn't have the means to get there. Um, and, um, when you combine that with, uh, the perception by a lot of homeless folks that the shelters aren't safe places to be in the first place, they'd rather take their chances on the street than, you know, get robbed or beaten up and, Uh, in a shelter so it's a it's a difficult situation without
0: question. Are you seeing more uh, families, people that have children and and sometimes in our shelters uh, some of the shelters by policy can't take certain ages of kids, Uh, they can't take pets, a lot of uh, homeless folks that's their only friend is their pet, they can't take those do you see that? every type of demographic on our streets
1: yeah you know so we're we're a part of the family promise program at the cathedral which um, is a part of the it's a sort of an interfaith community that um, houses homeless families um, for a week at a time at congregations around uh, salt lake and um, if you talk to the families about you know, how they ended up homeless, a lot of the time it is because, you know, one of the kids is over age, uh, and they don't want to, you know, have three people, like the mom and two small kids in the shelter. And while the, the older teenager is not allowed to be there, so they, they actually opt mm-hmm. to uh, be on the street so they, c- they can stay together. But it's what a terrible choice to have to make. Um, but, you know, people like Family Promise, I, I, they, they are doing a really good job, I think, of, you know, helping these folks transition from homelessness to uh, housing, you know, and they do um, job training, vocational training uh, during the day, you know, and they're housed at the church at night, and uh, they get breakfast and dinner, and um, they have, I I think it's over 90% success rate of of moving families from um, homelessness to uh, housing in, uh, you know, I think under two years or something is the goal.
0: This leads us to, I think, a really complex question. A question that I'm sure you've been asked and a question that you have to ponder. And that is, people look to a church and and like you've been very compassionate with the Family Promise, Uh, the uh, property you've been compassionate. Unlike some places, you're not turning sprinklers on to get people off the lawn. You're not turning people away, you're inviting them to a food bank. Uh, What is the role of the churches? There are those that say, well, this is a church issue to solve. This isn't a city issue to solve. We have to rely on our churches. And then at what point can the uh, situation become so taxing to the church that it's impossible to do anything I know you want to be compassionate and then we know sometimes there is some danger uh, when you're dealing with vulnerable people. Sadly, um, in our volunteers, our people that um, do practice at the uh, church, um, people that are members of the congregation, you can't subject them to anything that might be uh, dangerous. So. That's a real complex way of saying, at what point do you look at compassion, at what point do you look at what's practical, and at what point do you look at what's safe?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you if you think about what's the role of the church, it's, it's pretty simple. It's like to feed the hungry, to give water to the thirsty, shelter to the people without shelter, uh, you know. Matthew 25 kind of gives the church the the mandate, you know, and when Jesus says, um, you know, let the little ones come to me, the little ones are uh, uh, a sign of everybody who's on the margins, right? Uh, And so it's the church's job to be welcoming uh, and uh, a source for mercy and compassion uh, for for all of those people. So, I mean, that's the, that's the clear mandate. The, the, the practicality of it is that um, I don't think the church can do this without partnering with um, state and local government or even federal government. Um, if you talk to my wife who did a uh, master's of social work at Penn um, in, in social and social policy, one of the things that they mapped was that any time uh, poverty and homelessness became um, solely a church function uh, and something that the the state uh, wiped its hands of uh, the the, it, the the services weren't as good uh, and so um, but the the so the temptation I think is always to want to put this onto the churches um, and then so that so that the state and local governments don't have to to think about it but it's I, d- I don't think that's a a, a viable solution uh, because, you know, churches don't have the same resources as state, local, and federal governments. And um, so it needs to be a, a collaborative effort where uh, the church, you know, fulfills its part, uh, but it needs to be part of a, a broader uh, solution, I think, that includes, you know, access to mental health, you know, affordable housing, um, all
0: this kind of stuff. Do you have rules of conduct among those that uh, are enjoying um, what you have given them a peaceful place to sit during the days? You've given places to uh, perhaps eat their lunch and certainly to wait for food bank and all that. But Do you have rules that you have set up um, or is it pretty much just um, show up and we'll be compassionate in whatever way we can? Uh, In terms of the
1: food bank, there's very sort of well laid out rules so you know there's a certain number of times you're allowed to patronize the food bank uh, you have to have some form of valid ID um, you know you have to be r- fairly peaceable in line <laughs> you know you can't cut the line uh, and there's a you know, certain amount of food that each person's uh, allotted um, so th- the food bank runs like a, a fairly well-oiled machine I would say and you know in terms of the safety thing um, you know, we m- maybe have one or two incidences a, a year, uh, but n- nothing, nothing too too bad. The the little bit more wild card is just these sort of pop up encampments that seem to be, because uh, you never quite know what you're walking into uh, there. And um, you know, with the opioid and the uh, meth epidemic, um, you're not always dealing with. Uh, folks who are necessarily thinking straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, that's you know that's kind of a little bit more risky thing. The, the food bank uh, is you know and Lydia Herrera is the food bank manager. She does a, just a fabulous job with, and she runs a really tight ship. And you know I call her the general, and and they they all they all respect her and and, and know if they if they want to get fed then here here's what you. Here's what you have to do.
0: There's so many approaches that churches use with their homeless. Some you have to sing a song and pray. <laughs> uh, and some you can just show up. Um, you're very, very um, non-judgmental, right? You don't have to show up and pray and, or sing before you get food, do you?
1: No, it's uh, pretty much, uh, you know, uh, come as you are and uh, we meet you as you are and you know serve you as you are uh, sort of without any requirements. I, I was I grew up w- when we used to do you remember uh, God spell? Oh sure so we used to perform God spell at the, the, the Scott mission and the poor fellas used to have to sit through this horrible <laughs> <laughs> teen rendition of God spell before they were allowed to you know get their pancakes uh, breakfast but uh, so we don't do that. Um, um, that's not, So there's, it's re- there's really no requirements other than the sort of you're allowed to go twice a, twice a month and you have to have some form of ID.
0: And the ID is um, just for your internal sake? Are you reporting this to anyone? No,
1: no. It's, just, it's more just so we know, you know, uh, who's coming and how many times they've been there because we have a sort of limited amount of food and uh, we can't have people
0: patronizing more than two times a month. What do you think about this idea of reporting? There's a lot of thought that this is a way to collect information on uh, who is homeless—not just statistically, but uh, who folks are—and that there's some effort that I know some law enforcement agencies across the country feel that it's a way to maybe find out drug trade or things like that. Um, you don't participate in anything like that. No, right? no, no, no. It's an interesting um, discussion about homelessness about uh, hunger and about the summer and just what can we do there's there's so many people that are uh have their ideas and people that say it's up to the churches it isn't up to the churches and and how do we do it we'll get into a little bit more of this you're listening to the utah epocopalians a podcast of the diocese of utah i'm craig worth of the diocese and my very special guest is the very reverend Uh, Tyler Doherty the Dean of St. Mark's Cathedral and it is an urban uh, place uh, the oldest church still in operation in uh, Salt Lake City right in the heart of downtown and certainly uh, uh, Father Tyler understands and has seen homelessness on his front lawn uh, in the um, food bank and And is um, certainly within his sermons and within uh, Mass as said at St. Mark's that we remember the homeless every Sunday and every uh, time that Mass is uh, given. I happened to be in New York last week and outside of the Cathedral of St. John the Divine in New York City in an area of town that knows homelessness. Mm -hmm. They have um, a new statue of Jesus, and it's homeless Jesus. It's Jesus laying on a bench. You can't see a face. There's a a covering like a blanket Blanket, yeah, over Jesus as barefoot and laying on a bench to remind us that that is Jesus on Mm -hmm. the bench just as much as we see statues and all the grand and glory of uh, the Lord. Um, Is this attitude changing in the church that we're we're looking upon this as we are here to serve the homeless, not just that as compassionate human beings we should give a handout to somebody less fortunate, but in many ways we're looking upon this as this is helping serve the Lord, a very lofty goal
1: which is, you know, seek and serve Christ in all persons, right, is the baptismal covenant. And uh, I think that's the we're we're obviously called to do. It's interesting when you mentioned that statue. I think that, that's a Canadian artist, I think. And that statue was um, outside a building, I think, at first uh, downtown in Toronto, and it caused a huge outrage because people, you know, they, they walked by it and just thought that this was, you know, just some, another homeless person sitting on a bench until they noticed the, the holes in the feet and they realized that this was Christ, and they were, they were, there was quite a controversy. Uh, uh, and it was interesting to see, like, you know, what's the controversy? <laughs> you know, why, you know, if, if we're called to respect the dignity of every human being, and we're called to seek and serve Christ in all people, that, well, that, there's no exceptions to that, right? So it means the person uh, on the bench just as much as the person in the pew, right? So, yeah, I mean, in a way, I hope this isn't something new for the church. Uh, I, I, I hope this is what the church has always been about, is, um, you know, giving voice to the voiceless, names to the
0: nameless. Yeah, Mother Teresa had the story where um, she was with several people and walked up to uh, an unfortunate um, situation where a gentleman was laying um, right on the sidewalk, and it was pretty, I, I believe there were flies or things around it and she walked up and just said Jesus what a great disguise you have today yeah and what can we do to change our attitude about homeless you know we use the word problem but we use the word problem sometimes as we want problems to go away we don't want to deal with problems Mm. and that's using that word problem Uh, certainly there are those who come to church, well-meaning people, there are people who drive by and they see this and they just, I wish that would go away. I wish that those folks weren't there on our street corners, on our lawns. Now I know you wish the situation was that they didn't have to be, Mm -hmm. but the reality is they are there. What about your attitudes in talking to people are you trying to tell your congregations anything? Are you trying to increase outreach by saying, this is a reality and it is not quote going away and we don't, we're not here to make it go away, we're here to help those who are there. Yeah, and, and I think at, a, and at like policy level, we, we, are, we are probably
1: called to like think about more uh, strategic long-term solutions but you know, you gotta meet the need. Where there's a need, you have to meet it. You know, one of the ways to think about it is, since we're Episcopalians, why don't we, we'll talk about the Eucharist for a change. Sure. How about that? Um, you know, I think one of the ways that the, and it's a, it's a Reformation inheritance, is that we, we, we got so used to arguing over what happened to the bread and wine at the Eucharist that we kind of forgot that uh, the purpose of the Eucharist is not what happens to the bread and the wine but what happens to us, that we're being transformed into Christ through participation in the Eucharist, and that when we get kicked out of the door uh, by the deacon, you know, not to coffee hour, (laughs) but out the door, uh, it's for um, that we're going out as bread to feed, right, as uh, wine to slake the thirst of the parched, as oil to heal, as water to wash, right, so we are actually called to be the very food that we've been fed with uh, spiritually and physically uh, uh, to others right and so when you when you understand the basic movement of, of gathering and then being sent out then it, i think it becomes pretty clear that you know uh, our mandate is to go as as bread to feed wine water to wash oil, oil to heal um, and that you know, um, sometimes that will be um, given shape in a particular kind of feeding program, right? Like the food bank. But it's also the call of each individual Christian to, to go and be that bread for others um, in whatever way that looks like. I mean, it could be a listening ear. It could be a phone call to somebody you haven't seen at church the last three weeks or, you know, all that kind of stuff.
0: One of the things that urban parishes urban cathedrals such as you have have um, found a new revitalization particularly among younger people which um, have not been part of our Sunday services in the great groves of people that once were uh, and that is in outreach Mm -hmm. that people want to feel a part of of, um, outreach and for so long I, I think it has been a criticism of many churches, Episcopal Church probably right up there too, that church was Sunday, 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 Mm -hmm. and was within the walls of the church or within the walls of activities in the parish halls. They were not uh, out there outside the walls and today under the presiding bishop and the Jesus movement and other outreach programs, outreach is so important. Um, At the Cathedral Church of St. Mark, Are you addressing that? Do you see that um, you're having a new emphasis on outreach, which quite a bit of it does concern uh, those who are hungry, those who need clothing, those who need a place to sleep? Is that a new force, a new area that you're looking at um, that keeps the church a vital part of downtown?
1: Yeah, so the food bank obviously is part of our outreach family promise is a part of our outreach. We're also participating in the Laundry Love program that um, offers sort of free laundry services at a laundromat for for homeless folks who don't have access to a washer and dryer. Um, and so that there's, and we're always kind of on the the lookout for new ways to to serve. You know, um, you know, uh, one of the things we spoke at our vestry uh, meeting a couple nights ago was about you know finding a a parish outreach project that people can participate in, whether it's Habitat for Humanity or, or something like that. But I, th- I think there is a, a hunger for, uh, to actually sort of get out there uh, and help people uh, in a real hands-on fashion, right? And I, and I think that w- there, the fellowship and the community that results from that, unlike any other, because when you sort of come together, for a, a good cause, and um, sort of, you know, share the sweat of your brow with your, your neighbor who you didn't really know, except for that hour and a half on Sunday, um, new relationships uh, blossom, and you start to um, develop a, a kind of community that way. So I, I think the millennial generation is, you know, they're, they're right. to look for that in churches
0: do you just as you don't uh, make people pray or watch god spell (laughs) before they get some food which i I would recommend you not (laughs) encourage that i was the Uh, robot oh my goodness i don't that's a whole other (laughs) podcast sir but um do you also invite those to join in outreach at the food bank at um, any of your others who maybe aren't comfortable sitting in a pew on Sunday but feel that this is a uh, something they wish to do? Do you uh, have people that don't have to go to church on Sundays and still can participate in your outreach programs?
1: Oh, sure, yeah. And, you know, often what happens is that people will participate in an outreach program and they'll say, hey, you know, these Christians aren't so bad after all. And, you know, maybe I will try coming to, maybe I'll start with the Saturday service because there's no sermon and then <laughs> uh, I'll come to Sunday but uh, you know so it's it, I think it works both ways uh, you know that there's people who have, have you know whose primary uh, relationship with the church is Sunday morning who get called into other you know forms of service and then there's, there's other folks who sort of connect with the service piece and then get drawn into worship so it's like a it's a, it's a, it's a good two way street that way
0: so, in, so we kind of are in wrap up time here on this and it's it's fascinating as you have devoted so much of your ministry to outreach uh, of those that are in the downtown area. What can we do as a city, as a people, as um, and we've talked about what you can do as individuals to help but what are we going to do to keep this from becoming just Worse and worse as times are as they are we're allegedly in good economic times I fear what will happen when we hit uh, Unemployment when we hit Conditions that are even worse or as we get to cold weather. What can we do to make this? Compassionately become something we are not going to be so compelled to have to talk about
1: you know when um One of the soldiers comes into the garden to arrest Jesus and gets his ear lopped off. Jesus says, no more of this, you know, and he's talking about that sort of culture of violence. But I think there needs to be a no more of this in terms of the way that, you know, we can get sort of habituated to just seeing people sleeping outside. There needs to, I think the church's voice needs to be, um, clear and unflinching that says that this is not acceptable. You know, this, if, if we're going to call ourselves a Christian nation, that means that there shouldn't be people who have to go without. And I think you, you have to ask some, like, tough questions. You know, it's like, you know, when I feed the the that Catholic cardinal, when I feed the, when the feed the poor, they call me a saint. When I ask why they're poor, they call me a communist. Um, I think there's some structural inequality uh, that uh, needs to be addressed on a on a on a fairly grand scale, and it's I think the if we're if we to be a people of justice and reconciliation, we have to look at uh, an economy that you know has expendable victims who are treated like so much human trash and left out at night with
0: nowhere to lay their head, right? So we have to really look upon. Um, some political changes, social changes, economic changes
1: Yeah, legislative changes I mean the part of the fact the part of the problem in Salt Lake City is that rents keep on going up and uh, real estate is expensive and and um, there's actually a real shortage of affordable housing or transitional housing. so even if we wanted to get people out of the shelters and into housing there's not enough. If you look at why people are on the streets, like a lot of the time it's it's un, undiagnosed and untreated mental illness. And so you have a, a healthcare issue there. You know, there's, these are these are people who um, are homeless because they're sick. Treat the sick people, you know, give them access, you know. Um, so there's a lot of, I mean, it's all intertwined, I think. And it's, uh, there's healthcare, justice, housing, um, all of that needs to be sort of come together. and, and you know the, the the church needs to be a, a a strong voice that you know this that this is unacceptable, you know, and that um, uh, that we want to be a part of the uh, the solution, right? Where if we're going to honor the and celebrate the dignity of every human being as created in God's image and likeness, then um, that means we need to be
0: speaking up on their behalf. Well, on that note, and that is great wisdom. Um, we can, I think, take a look inside our own hearts and look at what we're doing and look at what were mandated by our humanity, by those of a religious background, by what goes back 2,000 years to the advice, to the commandments that uh, are found in Matthew. A fascinating subject, and I'm sure we'll revisit it. Our guest has been the very Reverend Tyler Doherty, the Dean of St. Mark's Cathedral located in downtown Salt Lake City, as we've been discussing homelessness, hunger, and just really what the church should be doing. I'm Craig Wirth of the Diocese of Utah.